Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Praise the sun. And Jordan. Greetings, Jared. I'm glad to have you here on the show, and I'd like to say, Dom, it's alright to have you here as well. Wow. Shots fired. Damn. I appreciate having you here, Dom. I appreciate having you here too, I said Dom. it was alright. Alright? <laughs> I said it was alright to have you here, okay? Did I ever tell you guys that, like, all animated media just sucks and it just can't hold a candle to anything that's not animated because Did it's just it's all childish no <laughs> <laughs> can't you see my nose up in the air like it's just all childish and it's just if it's animated hey, i Dom, don't care about it Kubo based on that alone two strings or was that too animated for you to watch i don't even know anything Dude, that's animated real quick real quick somebody on the easy allies on a Quick side note, somebody during the Easy Allies Tuesday night stream uh, asked if there's such a thing as British anime, and somebody, (laughs) (laughs) the answer is even funnier. The response they got was Wallace and Gromit (laughs) is a British anime. (laughs) It's really funny. funny Oh my goodness. No, that's a good question, though. though? Um, Because I'm also ignorant to that. So I'm getting uh, getting serious now, actually. Um... Is anime? Anime distinctly... is Japanese animation. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Anime. I yeah, didn't know if it was a style or if it was had to be Japanese in origin. No, the debate like, av- there. Avatar the last... is just an idiot. But yeah, what Jared's like saying is Avatar stuff like that uh, is considered anime. American anime. So yeah, it's not even considered anime by the nerds because they're like, if it's not from Japan, it's not anime. But then that doesn't make any sense because half of anime is animated in Korea. But the people, the people with girlfriends, say like, "Yeah, sure, it's American anime." The people with girlfriends. Whoa. Plus, Korra, Korra was animated a lot in Korea as well by yeah. an anime studio. So. Um. Anyways, in terms of what we've been playing, uh, <laughs> Trials Rising came out this week. Been playing it a bunch. I'm actually level forty two or forty three, something like that. It seems like a lot, but um. It's just one of those games that, like, early on you level it faster, and as the game progresses you need more XP to get to higher levels. Um, And obviously in a game like that where you start with easy stages, you kind of run through those a lot faster, and as the game goes on, once you start getting to the medium and more difficult stages, if you're trying to get the gold trophies and stuff, it starts taking a little bit longer, you know what I mean? So you come out of the block a lot faster, and then you kind of coast the rest of the game. Um, Jared, who said Wallace and Gromit? (laughs) Uh, somebody in their chat. Um, oh, okay. I thought, it yeah. was, I thought it was one of the allies. I can't stop thinking about cheese and crackers now. <laughs> no, it's just a really funny answer to what's a British anime. Yeah, it's a perfect. Um, it's like Shaun the Sheep. Uh, cheese and crackers. So, real quick, um, there are some frame rate hiccups when you first start playing the game, but as I kept playing, they kind of like went away. Obviously, it's not something that affects me a whole lot, but if... If that's your thing, if it's like even the slightest frame rate issues bother you, then it's going to bother you. Um, but the game plays really well. There's some really interesting levels. Uh, there's one based on Universal Studios um, that does Dang. a lot of really cool stuff. It has like a Western Hollywood type set. It has the the big globe with the waterfall. It has um, an inside stage area where you, as you start going through it, it's a lot of blue screens and like props, and then it quickly switches to have, as if it's a, an edited CG like sci-fi movie. So it's like actual aliens and stuff, and then at the end of it, it goes back to like blue screens. So it's kind of like you being in a you know Hollywood sci-fi movie. Really cool so, idea for a track. Are they? Do you think 
this series is one of those things where they uh, keep having to uh, kind of like up the ante and improve upon this big bombastic thing that they did in the last game to surprise you almost like in a fast and furious sort of way where it's like it just has to keep getting crazier and crazier is that the deal here no so i think i think that's a that that is a, a way they they've partially evolved and some of the levels do that but it's not every level isn't trying to be crazier than something you saw in the previous game there are some of those bigger showpiece things but the detail and the animations that trigger during a level um, are, I think, the the thing that they're doing as far as getting more familiar with the franchise and having better technology in their fingertips. So, like, there's a level where uh, natural disasters happening, and there will be like platforms where you think you're gonna land, but like it caves in and it turns into like a slope uh, or or like a different shape platform. So you kind of have to know that's happening or adjust really quickly, right, and be good at the game. Uh, kind of like sure. Levolution. Uh, there's another level that's really cool where Mission Impossible-esque. You're going through this big, giant, uh, like, shipping uh, airplane, this cargo ship, and at the end of the level, the back opens up, and, the, like, this, this third, the last third of the level is you going over platforms that fell out of the back of the air, the, the shipping airplane, and you having to make sure you don't, obviously, fall to your death. So it kind of changes up um, what you're worrying about and the faults and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the game is what I expected in terms of improvements. So, uh, so mentioning that, before I forget, I'm going to forget this. What's the difference with the Switch version that you told me to be wary of? So the Switch doesn't have... Uh, the Switch triggers are basically on-off triggers, right? There's no, like... Um, yeah, they're very clicky and they're, not very... Uh, not much of a depression to them. Well, I forgot what the term is, but like they're on-off triggers, right? They're Whereas, digital versus analog. I believe, exactly. Something like that. Exactly, or maybe the opposite of that. One of the two. So, like um, on a on a PS4 or Xbox controller, you can push the trigger halfway down, for example, and that's sending a different signal to the game than if you push it all the way down or something. Exactly. Uh, so a switch, uh, the Joy Cons have zero to one. So if it's not pushed, it's zero. If you push it down, it's one. Uh, Xbox and PlayStation is 0 to 100, and if you hold it anywhere between there, it's one of those numbers. Honestly, ruined, helped ruin uh, Doom on the system. Mm. And the another thing, the analog sticks are not... Kind of like you were talking about having the 1 or 0 versus 100 points of articulation with the triggers on the, the Xbox, PlayStation... It's kind of like that in the analog sticks, I feel, where they have a lot less uh, range. Range of motion. Well, like, uh, what they recognize as input. Yeah. If that makes sense. There's terms to this. This is, like, super (laughs) deep video game shit. But, like, what it actually recognizes is a far uh, lesser range than that of a PlayStation analog stick or an Xbox One. Yeah, so for a game like Trials, uh, the franchise, uh, in order to beat a lot of the harder levels, you need to have that variation in the trigger manipulation because um, varying up the amount of acceleration you put on the bike changes the types of maneuvers you can accomplish in the game. So Even the pro controller is clicky like that. Yeah, but I still think it They're still better. has some of it, though, yeah. Um, it's better, but it's still not what... Probably uh, a cool thing about this game is it actually supports the GameCube controller on the Switch. 
which is pretty cool. Um, just which a side note there. Clicky. <laughs> yeah, but if you want to, you know, use a GameCube and have that issue instead of a Pro Controller, you know what I mean? If you like the comfort yeah. of that instead. Um, yeah. So what is that going to do on a... Because I'm really... This is, like, breaking down my decision to buy it on Switch or not. Do you think it's not worth buying on Switch? Is this really going to... Is it, like, a difference between being able to get two-star and three-star on a level, something like that? Uh, I, in my opinion, as and I'm not saying this is, like, an elitist or something, but as somebody who's, like, I'm pretty good at the game because I've played the franchise, like, numerous games, and I've gotten really good, and I've learned the intricacies of these very specific moves yeah. you need to yeah, know how yeah. to do, I think that as someone like you who's coming in new to the franchise... I think it'll worsen your experience, and you probably will have a tougher time in the second half of the game, specifically sure. on the Switch. Also, I sure. mentioned there's some frame rate issues. That's coming on an Xbox, which probably the PlayStation is having the same thing. Imagine the frame rate issues this game is having on the Switch. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? If it's having them on the Xbox. Um, which, yeah, I mean, it's essentially a side-scroller. You'd think it wouldn't be quite as taxing. No, but, but like I talked about, upping the ante, as we mentioned, they do a lot of stuff in the background yeah, in of the these environments got to make it interesting, you know what I mean? Yeah, and all this evolution and stuff. Um, yeah, I would say get this game on Switch when it goes on sale. Cool thing is Ubisoft's known for cutting their games know. a lot. I feel like you've convinced me to go PS4 if I do end up playing it. Oh, the, yeah. I if the, the Playing it... Like, uh, on on the go and stuff, I think, is a plus for this game because it is one of those That's games thing. where... It feels like it would be perfect in that handheld mode, but... Yeah. Um, it's, it's a tough decision. I think either get it on PS4 at full price or just wait it out and make the decision later because whether you buy it on PS4 or Switch, it's going to be on sale later anyways. Ubisoft is really good at cutting the yeah. price on their games. So, um, I, so <laughs> with Trials Rising... I've mentioned a lot of stuff I do like. Um, it kind of met my expectations. It, uh, I wouldn't say it exceeded them because I kind of knew what I was going to get with this game. Um, it's the first mainline game since Fusion, which came out in uh, 2014, which is crazy. So it's the first mainline yeah. Trials game in five years. Obviously, we had Trials of the Blood Dragon. The one thing I will say, and the biggest problem with this game is the way the levels are laid out. So I'm going to try to explain this as quickly as I can. In Trials Fusion, the way it worked is there would be separate sections based on a theme. So say there was like, I'm just coming up with names, these aren't the actual names because I don't remember them, but there's uh, Ice Adventure, right? And you'd click on that and inside of that there was eight levels, right? All progressing in difficulty from easy to most difficult and then usually a skill challenge at the end. Eight total levels. You'd back out of that, you'd go to Forest Hills, click on that. There was eight levels based on that theme, and there was about, I think, ten of those, right, in the base game. And when the DLC came out, they were just, it was easy to add because it was just another column, right, in that menu. Uh, DLC number one, DLC number two, obviously they had actual names. But the way the levels were structured was very easy for people to get in and get out. Um mm. And the way you progress in the game is it wasn't that you had to complete all the levels because they went up in difficulty. It was that you had to get a certain amount of medals. So, you know, silver medals counted as two points, gold is three, platinum is four, bronze is one. And once you hit a certain amount of medals, you would unlock the next area. So if you're really good, you wouldn't have really any issue. If you were kind of good, you'd probably have to go back and try to turn a couple of those silvers into golds, right? Um... And the whole the way the whole game was laid out was very simple, very understandable, very clear. 
I have no trouble with the Trials Rising finding the levels, but I can totally see why it's an issue and it is kind of dumb that they switched it. Basically, it's a globe layout, so all these levels pop up in the first area on the United States, right? All of the easy levels. Then a section of easy levels will pop up in Europe, then a, a section of easy levels will pop up in Asia. Then when you unlock the second tier of difficulty, uh, medium medium difficulty levels will pop up in the United States, but there's no clear indication that they're different. Uh, they're obviously a different icon in the United States, but by the time you're getting through the game and you're towards the end of the game, it's just a bunch of icons on the map, right? And it's very difficult to filter through. You just kind of have to hover over them and figure it out. There's obviously a filter tab on... There's obviously a filter tab on the top that lets you, like, show me just medium difficulty levels or show me just American yeah. levels or show me just American difficult levels. That's cool and all, but that's not the base. The base is just this globe of a bunch of icons. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's really this dumb. Reminds, it reminds me of Need for Speed Payback where it's like you guys had a solid system running and then you decided to just totally, totally fuck that up and do some random new thing where it's like you try to get fancy with it and you fix something that wasn't broke, I guess. Yeah, and once again, if somebody is familiar with it, it doesn't really bother me. But if I was somebody coming for the first time, I'd be like, obviously you're somebody who plays video games a lot too, Jordan, so you'd see the filter thing and you'd understand how to find them. It just like, it overcomplicates yeah, it for no reason. There's like, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I said, the, si you're the system... You're not going to know that if you're jumping in as a relatively noob type of person, you know? Or, and if you're new to the franchise, you're like, oh, this is how it's always been? Gross. When in reality, like, I have the frame of reference of, like, in Fusion, it was way easier and way better, right? I just don't like the system here. Um, that being said, the custom is... Fusion might be already on PS Plus in my library, so I might just go with that. Uh, I think it's the best game in the series, Fusion. Uh, yeah. Trials Rising yeah, is really just, good. Trials Rising is really good, but I, the way I would rank him so far is Fusion, Rising, Evolution. Um, it's a really solid game. The customization options are bonkers. Um, there's loot crates in the game, obviously, but that don't, it doesn't really affect anything. You get one every time you level up. And like I said, I'm already level 44, and I've played for maybe four-ish hours. So I've opened oh, wow. 44 crates, tons of stuff, stickers, gear. Um, all of the clothing is pretty much customizable with color schemes, so you can completely deck out your guy to look exactly how you want. Um, there's poses you can have on your guy, so whenever you win a game, he does a pose or like an animation. Uh, Dom, by the way, Solaire's uh, uh, pose is in the game, which is really cool. It's one I'm rocking currently. Um, praise the sun. Yeah, it's, it's Jared, a. Uh, did you end up playing of the Blood Dragon, comma Trials? Yeah. You did play that one. How was that? Uh, cool. Very wacky. Less based on skill and like getting good at the game, and more on just we're gonna show you a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, <laughs> it definitely lives up to the blood dragon theme. Um, there's like a part where you like are trying to save an archer and a magician and a warrior. It's wacky and it's out there. It's fun. Definitely not a core title. Um, the one thing I will say real quick too, because I want definitely want to hear you guys have been playing. I've kind of been going on for a while is, uh, how would I explain this? So, throughout the other Trials games, there was this guy who did YouTube videos called Professor Fat Shady. And he was known for doing, uh, Trials videos to help people get better at the game or to help you unlock achievements because the game gets really difficult, right? That's yeah, one thing that. with, with Trials is it gets very difficult. 
and he had a very excellent series called University of Trials on his channel, and he would help people get better at, at trials and, and show people how to do certain things. They actually brought him on for this game, and he designed all of the tutorial stuff in this game. Not only that, there's a section called University of Trials in the game, and it's him teaching you thing, like techniques you can do in trials. So they brought uh, this guy yeah, that they, was part of the community. The E3 presentation, right? They said that he was going to be a part of the game, yes, but I didn't know to what integration okay. that is because they bring in sometimes social media content creators, and it's like, oh, they're this weird like custom avatar of them is has like two lines in the game. What does that mean? They literally gave <laughs> him like the keys to the car in terms of creating the introductory program to this game, and it's phenomenal. Um, he voices it too. It's great. It's just cool to see somebody who had a passion for a game and built his own community and did his videos are very high quality. Um, and he, you know, the Studio Mix Trials is in Poland, I think. Um, don't correct correct me on that if you want, but it's it's an Eastern European country. I'm pretty sure it's Poland. Um, and he's from Australia, and they actually flew him up to work on the game. I just think it's really cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it for Trials Rising. Didn't play any Kingdom Hearts 3, unfortunately. Played some more Apex, nothing to say there. Finished Sex Education. Continued Punisher. Uh, finally got around to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, Dang. Yeah, that's pretty much it. What you think of that, huh? Great movie. Um, I still like Homecoming more, uh, but... Oh. <laughs> I, so, it's, it's, a, it's a very good movie. There are some weird plot things that people just, like, glance over for the sake of, I guess, liking the movie, but there's some weird stuff that happens in the movie that doesn't really line up. Um, like, why Miles' dad doesn't recognize him at, like, 80 different points in that movie based on what he's wearing or what's happening is kind of weird. Um, we but, can say the same for Homecoming. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I there's... watched it when they were doing the kind of funny MCU run review, and I was like... It was... I liked it the first time I saw it. I didn't love it, and I liked it even less the second time I saw it. Yeah, I just maybe just see things differently. Oh, also, it's probably a case of the movie just being overhyped for me. Um, of everybody talking about how great. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to be clear, I'm not like head over heels for Spider Verse. I just really like it. Yeah, I like it. Um, didn't really like um, uh, some of the voice acting for some of the characters. Um, obviously oh. I loved Miles. Obviously I loved his dad. Uh, I love Leif Shriver as, uh, Kingpin. Um. Mahershala as the Prowler. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Doc Ock reveal was okay. Kind of saw it a mile away. Um, it just, the, the movie was so overhyped for me that it, it kind of fell flat in some aspects. Still easily the second best Spider-Man movie for me personally. Um, I, I really like it. Uh, it just, I think I relate more to Homecoming, um, in a number of ways. One thing I will say, Into the Spider-Verse's soundtrack is, like, awesome. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Great soundtrack. I will say, I think it is, though, like I said, I'm not, like, completely in love with it. I do think it's my favorite Spider-Man movie above Spider-Man 2 at this point. I've just, I really, you know, for me, I really relate to Tom Holland's portrayal of Peter Parker as opposed to Miles Morales, which is funny because I'm a biracial kid as well, you know. <laughs> Miles Morales is obviously biracial. Um, yeah. It's a great movie. 
yeah, I don't, I don't, I still personally like Homecoming more. Uh, but who's to say if I don't watch Spider Verse a second time and I end up liking it more and it passes it? It's not like it's clearly one is way better to me than the other. It's very sure. close for me, uh, personally. That's it for me though in terms of everything. I kind of went on for a while with trials. So <laughs> what about you guys? Kingdom Hearts, guys. Kingdom Hearts nice. three. How far are you? Right I'm into uh, San Fran Tokyo or whatever the hell they call it. Big Hero Six. San Fran Tokyo. Yeah. Um, and are you doing them by the level recommendation? So like in order? Yes. Yep. So I just okay. did um, the Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah. Which, okay. I've been. I mean, I still. I'm enjoying the game very much. Definitely like a good game, worth playing if you've played the other games. And I gotta know how it ends up. But. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm finally, I mean, I finally played enough. You played a lot, by the way. Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but you jumped a <laughs> yeah. long way. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm at the in-game thing. It says I'm at like 29 hours, so it's been a bit, yep. But You're close. Definitely, yeah. there's a lot of problems. And I'm going to, I want to, I want to poke at those really quick. The story, like the Kingdom Hearts story, the little bit that I've even experienced thus far has been meaningless at best. Um, and I played thirty. I'm like nearly done, so I'm kind of yeah. sitting here like. That's how I felt. So what the hell have I been doing? Your your kind of your motivation to go to each of these worlds is non-existent. Like there's no reason to go to these worlds. I mean, when you get there, you find some stuff to do coincidentally, but there was no reason really to go to each of them to begin with. And every so often, you talk to one of the organization members, and they don't really have much reason to be at any of these worlds either, for the most part. <laughs> And so, like the story, like overall Kingdom Hearts story is just not progressing. I, it's really baffling that I'm this far. Very unengaging. Yeah, it's which like it starts off well, and then you get probably past five hours, and then it's just it just yeah. They don't do anything with it, man. And that's not how Kingdom Hearts games have been, it, even yeah. the side story. It's felt really weird. You're right. It's felt out of character compared to all the other games. Like, yeah, they they go heavy on it at first. Like, okay, we got to do all this. Um, you know, we got to find a replica, yada yada, and then like that's it so far. There's been nothing. I, I was I was screwing around in the Caribbean world for this whole time, like looking for this black box or something, and then we find out that like it's just meaningless and there was no reason to be there at all. And and I <laughs> I just this game I'm really f- kind of flustered with this whole thing so far. I don't understand. Yeah. It's not. It's like it's been pointless. I mean, I've enjoyed the gameplay, which I'm definitely with you though. It's really easy, Jordan. Um, and then all the, the the systems are useless. I mean, you don't need to use them, and, and they're so disjointed that you don't really want to. Like, I don't want to use flow motion. I have, and to, there's like a like one or two points where it forces you to, but otherwise, I'm like, I'm not yeah. screwing around that's with this. Just, that's just adding it to the checklist of well, that was the 3ds's you know take home mechanic, right? Um, and so they have to pick one thing from every game. Yeah, and it's like, I think you said it last week, where, like, they kind of just merged all that crap together just for the sake of putting it all together, and it just doesn't work well. It does, it, it's not cohesive, like, all these gameplay elements. So, Dude, I'm... Honestly, Dom, did you play 3D? No. Okay, I'm just glad that we didn't get the Dream Eater section, because you haven't played Pokemon Sun or Moon, but Jared has, right? Yeah. So, Jared... The thing that just killed me with Sun and Moon was actually it reminding me of Kingdom Hearts 3D where you have these sections of uh, 
just petting the animal basically with your 3D touchscreen. Oh yeah, I ignore that. Like, <laughs> I know, but it was like it felt like it was gonna matter. You know, it felt like my Pokemon were gonna be not underpowered, but like they could be. I could be missing out on so much potential. And same thing with the Dream Eaters from Kingdom Hearts 3D, where it's like I'm just so glad that that is not in Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm glad that we don't have cards from chain of memory so the fact that flow motion is kind of there it's annoying actually because you have to use it in uh san francisco and it doesn't make any fucking sense and it's just obnoxious but uh they could have made it even worse is all i'm saying i guess yeah it's just it's weird that this is by far obviously the best looking game in the series um and the combat i think is still overall it's the best combat it feels great right um, despite it's too easy and, and some things, but it still feels awesome and it is fun to play. Yeah, if it was balanced, oh, dude, if it was balanced, like an actual regular Kingdom Hearts game, it would be all the combat would be. I don't know, awesome. I don't find the combat that interesting. For me, it's pretty much just mash until I can press Y and then I push Y a bunch. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is because it's so imbalanced that it's <laughs> yeah. giving you those options way, way like that ticker. On their computer screen is turned way too far up. Those should be coming through, you know, a third of the time as often. Yeah, it's like teacup shooter, then a combo special, and then I get in the pirate ship and just like mash, 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 why, mash, 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 why? Yeah. You can even have abilities where it comes in more often. You can up the uh, like amount of times cool it comes down the yeah. frequency. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. Despite I like I you're you're totally right, Jared. That's that's the gist of it. That's like that's pretty much every fight. Yet somehow it's still an, it's, it's fun, still though. fun though. It's weird, right? Like you still yeah. don't hate doing it. Yeah. Um, but it's just not it's not making you think. It's not kind of going to that deeper level of engagement, I guess, which is disappointing. A lot but, of potential. Yeah, but so it's it's weird that it, it looks so good and like it has so much that it did right, or you know, technically. But it this is somehow like. Right now, this is easily like the worst game in the series to me that I've played. Oh wow! Like it's which is, feels weird to say, but like it's like yeah. I mean, Birth by Sleep was superb. So, Kingdom Hearts Two was was great. You haven't played 3D though. You haven't played 3D. I did play Chain of Memories That's though, cool. and I like that more than this. Although I was a kid, um, I'm sure if I played it today, it'd be, I'd be, yeah. have a different story. But at the time, it was brand new on GBA, and it was a Chain of Memories was a great game. I'd say at the time. At least from my, from my perspective. See, that's the thing, Dom. You've played GBA, I've played PS2, and those are like wildly different versions, even yeah. though one's a remake. So. It, and it just this is my least favorite too, and I've only played the three mainline, so it's like yeah, it's just a yeah. weird thing that I, <coughs> I will say out of the mainline games, it's my least favorite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm anticipating from what I've heard, like you get the last chunk of the game is where the, the they actually do get back to the overarching story, and that wraps up and. We'll see how it goes, but right now, that's how I'm feeling about this game. It's kind of like, um, okay. I still like it. I still like playing it. Um, but yeah, to me, like, it just it just reminds me that the original game is just far and away the best out of this whole series. Well, it the problem with the game is that it's 15-year-old game design with modern-day graphics. Yeah, so you're right. It's a bit yeah. of a disconnect there. With uh, It looks so cool. The cutscenes look great. Like, dude, Donald in the Caribbean world, Donald freaking duck looks awesome as a pirate and it, explain that to me it doesn't make any damn sense why he looks so cool and so good yeah. like the thing is if you bump down the graphics on this game and you say that this was like a, a launch title for PS3 
I would totally buy it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it yep. doesn't, in, in no way does it feel like a current gen game in terms of game design. You know yeah, what I mean? I, unfortunately, yeah, I, I really agree. But gummy ships. Why are gummy ships in this fucking game, dude? Like, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> they didn't need to bring all of Kingdom Hearts along, you know. And there's, it's one of those things where it's not nearly, in my opinion, as bad as the Last Jedi. I don't even think it's bad. And the Last Jedi has only gotten worse in my mind over time, but. Uh, it's like The Last Jedi in the sense for me where it has these awesome parts of this thing that I love and then it has these parts that are nearly heartbreaking to me that are not like, you know, sad emotional scenes that are meant to be heartbreaking. They're heartbreaking because they're breaking my heart in the way that they're treating this or fumbling this or just fucking it up in general. So um, that's how well, I feel about it in a macro way, I guess. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at with with Kingdom Hearts three. I'm gonna finish it almost certainly before I talk to you guys next. So, um, more to come on that next week, I guess. But yeah, that's that's really all I've been doing. So, yeah, like twenty hours of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Wow. So then uh, I I'm upset, boys. I am upset. Not only have I not been able to bring myself to face Kingdom Hearts 3, face my fears, if you will. Uh, I've been dealing, I've been wrestling with the Anthem. Um, Anthem has entered my life and just tortured me, I would say. Uh, Starts off launch night. I'm hyped for this game. I told you guys about it on the last podcast. It was only a few hours before launch. And, uh, boy was I ready so I get there at 11pm when it unlocks and I'm sitting there trying to load up and it takes 5 minutes for me to even you know get past the start screen because uh, I think it it, basically what happens is it'll try to connect and then you know if it won't which happens way too often then it will um kind of like restart the whole game where it'll play the Bioware intro screen and then bring you back to the title screen of the game and try to reconnect again. And that happened multiple times before I was able to even get in and start the actual game, um, you know, five minutes after I had tried to initially start it. So um, that was obviously not a good um, beginning and... Um, every time I've played it, I have at some point in my play session been kicked to the title screen because of server disconnection. And um, I mentioned to you guys, like, my computer lets me know when I get disconnected from the internet, and that was never the case. So this was on their end, and not really much I could do with it. Uh, some players have been, you know, doing port forwarding and all this crap on their network. It's ridiculous that that should even be the case that I would have to mess with my own network just to be able to connect on an EA server uh, because it's just ridiculous man I mean it's it's also ridiculous thinking about all the uh, issues that I've heard coming from Apex Legends where people are having the game crash on them every time they play and specifically on PC I've heard it on PS4 it happened to oh, be kind of funny on there. You're talking about 
you're talking about the crash. Okay, I'm I'm thinking of the the server disconnect. The crash is happening on PS4. Yeah. Yeah. So crashing on Apex is what I was talking about. Server disconnects on Anthem, but the, it's all under EA's umbrella, and it's ridiculous nonetheless. Where uh, specifically with Anthem being, you have to play it online. I can't just play the story by myself offline I tried to just disconnect my network even though I had heard before the game came out that you couldn't do that it wouldn't let me um, and the problem here is I've had it happen where I'm all the way at the end of a mission right <clears throat> and I finish the mission get the checkpoint for the finished mission and the game saves that part but then disconnects me while it's giving me all my loot and treasure and I lose out on that because of the server disconnect and getting kicked back to the title screen. So it's just so disheartening. Once again, heartbreaking, like I was saying earlier. I've, I've been crestfallen, if you will, uh, with this situation. Because um, I've wanted to just kind of evaluate the game on its own merits, but this technical, logistical bullshit is even getting in the way. So that's been very frustrating. And then, yeah, I'll say that even the game that I have played hasn't been necessarily um, ultra compelling. Uh, I wouldn't even say super compelling. <laughs> um, it's just been uh, fun. There's definitely a lot of cool stuff to be uh, mined with uh, the suit. The javelin suit itself is definitely fun to fly around in, fly around in, and. Uh, you know, dash around in. You know, you guys know how much I love a game with a dash button. So um, the combat, you know, when it's it's working out well, uh, is pretty fun. Um, I've had plenty of combat glitches. That's another thing. Is the game is very glitchy, uh, where um, enemy bodies will be disappearing. You know, just glitch out and <laughs> exit existence at that point um, and there's just tons of technical stuff that is uh, you know unpolished I guess you could say so a lot a lot of frustration with Anthem I eventually just had to put it down I haven't gone back since uh, version 1.03 came out not even sure if anything's been updated again since then but uh, I just got so frustrated that I couldn't keep trying to bang my head against that brick wall and so I had to put it down and certainly didn't want to frustrate with myself with another game like uh, Kingdom Hearts so uh, haven't been playing much after those uh, first several days of fiasco with Anthem unfortunately the funny thing is that's three games in a row that you've been frustrated with Kingdom Hearts Wargroove and then Anthem you forgot Wargroove dude Wargroove <sighs> Wargroove man well, fucking Wargroove. It, it's like, why would you tie your attack power to your health bar? That doesn't even make fucking sense to me. That doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. I, like, you're going to do less of an attack when you have less health. Okay, well, then I'm fucked from the start, I guess. I like characters so with that unique ability. Like, they get stronger as they lose health, but that shouldn't be a core mechanic. Yeah, that sounds like an ability in an RPG. That's a different thing. It's like, well... Actually, one of the things that I like in Kingdom Hearts is the rage form, where you can keep upping your attack if you, like, basically hurt yourself. 
um, and just take a chunk of your health. Um, so you make yourself more vulnerable while upping your attack power. So stuff like that is cool in certain instances, but to build a game's combat system around it, especially when it's a strategy game. Yeah, when Sora goes Super Saiyan God. What were you going to say, Don? So, yeah. Oh, I mean, I've only been, like, vaguely kind of following Anthem so far, and it, I don't know, I, from the sounds of it, this seems like that this game is going to be really, really good in a few months. Will be. <laughs> yeah, it's suffering from all yeah, of the but... games of service issues. Um, the, the thing that sucks, too, is EA ha- actually has a track record of their games working worse on PlayStation. Don't know why that is, but their servers are always always worse on PlayStation. I don't know yeah. if it's because they don't prioritize it or anything, but it's still not acceptable. Yeah, it could be it could well, be a Sony uh, problem, you know, like they're at fault. But I'm sure there's issues with Sony. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Maybe, but, yeah. But there's also, you know, regardless of that, there's just bugs and bullshit and. Uh, like I said, logistical problems. So there's a lot of mess with the game. So aside every so just the server issues. What's most disappointing to me, I mean, like these like bugs and like server issues, like that happens, right? Like it seems like every other game of this magnitude, that's like a uh, online only type of game that's this big, has some kind of substantial problems with server stuff and connection issues and all that kind of stuff. Like that's a common thing at launch yeah. for these types of games. I think what's more disappointing though is like hearing about like. Okay, well, the end game is non-existent. There's not that much to do. It's really content light. Um, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, problems seems, go on and on. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I think is kind of inexcusable. And but that's a problem with games of service games too, though. Every games of service game that's come out has been content light in the end game. Well, Division yeah. two didn't get better till later on patch. Destiny, yeah, Destiny two. I, I just thing. I, will agree I meant in that. the ter- in terms of like it's harder to excuse that kind of thing, right? You know yeah, what I, mean? I yeah. think Jason Schreier, I want to say, was the one who tweeted this, and it, it's I don't know, it sounded super good, but he said something along the lines of, "I hope you know Anthem and uh, he even mentioned Fallout seventy six and similar games. I hope like this uh, reminds these publishers that like what they think a minimum viable product is is not that, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, mm-hmm. from the very initial sounds of it, Anthem's not selling what they wanted it to initially, so." Um, and it's hard to recover from it from a, a, a bad launch like this, right? So even though even if they they fix this game and it becomes a great game, um, they're never gonna get yep. back all the you know all the bad will they built up around this game, right? It's kind of always gonna be like and not well, only they, this game, Dom, they, not only this game, Bioware has taken their name out back and drug it mm. through the mud and dropped it down the fucking outhouses hole and just left it there for a couple weeks and then decided to take a piss on it one weekend and said, oh, wait, you know, let's get the fish and pull out and pull our name back out of the fucking slop. And then they were like, we're Bioware. We still cool, guys? We still good? No, they've totally, in my mind, and I think I honestly believe the general air of them in the hearts and minds of gamers, they have been tarnished in a way that they will most likely never recover from and it's all their own doing Whoa, them man. and EA but cer- certainly them and EA but I absolutely have to look at the leadership of the studio and the way that they've been boggling things and watching it I mean this goes back to the Mass Effect trilogy original trilogy um, so at a certain point EA is responsible 
but then there's also a point where it's like, well, is it always EA's fault, or can we look at Bioware <laughs> after so many of these instances and say, guys, you, you can't keep doing this to us. It's not okay. The Mass Effect 3 thing is different, though. That was a subjective argument of... of players being pissed off at the way they decided to end the trilogy. That's different than Mm-mm. releasing a... No, the argument is about the fact that you go through this entire trilogy with your saves being imported from game to game, and most of the differences, the big difference at the end is the color of the beam, the sky beam. And then there's a couple of other little differences, picture frames here and there. And that was the, the big issue at hand, I think, at large with Mass Effect 3. Yeah, but there could be an artistic argument that the sometimes your decisions don't mean anything in the end, too. I don't know. I didn't have any problem with that the ending of Mass Effect 3. I don't 3. think that's what they're going for, though, dude. They're not do- going for some, like, psychological <laughs> thing where it's like, nothing matters, man. Nothing matters, bro. I can't... I can't... I don't know. I wasn't part of the team, so I can't say either way. I just it didn't... We can agree to disagree on that. I'm just saying they've been fumbling the ball for years now, for games now, game after game, and regardless of... What team at BioWare made Mass Effect Andromeda, regardless of what leader Casey Hudson or not was involved, the the uh, splash screen says BioWare, and that used to mean something uh, in a much more prestigious light than it, it does now. It's it's like I said, I think it is unfortunately eternally tarnished, not to the point of. Uh, Oblivion, but they have done something to their reputation that was completely unnecessary in my eyes and has been really disappointing and, once again, heartbreaking to watch. I don't know. If people see it like that, I wouldn't want those people as fans of me anyways. Uh, And let me explain. If you're saying it's been tarnished beyond recognition and it's like no coming back from it because... That's not what I said at all. You said you said it's said almost it near oblivion. Not, I just said it has not been tarnished to oblivion, but they've changed the entire perception of their studio to the point where they have a chance to come back, but it is going to be such a difficult road that was never necessary to begin with. Yeah, I don't they know. I just are going. They have a tough hill to climb. You cannot disagree with that. I'm not saying that they're done. I'm saying that they have built such a tough hill for themselves to climb that. That was never needed in the first place. I I don't know. I disagree. I think if they like come out with Mass Effect Four or something, I think people will just Dragon like, Age, Dragon Age Five, I guess is it or Four? Technically, five, that would yeah. be next. Yeah. It, but even so that, I, it's not really, as big of a franchise. Mass Effect. Just gonna walk in the door on that after Anthem, unless I don't even think like a Taken King situation could change Anthem to the point where people are walking in the door on Dragon Age like, yeah, we're good to go, man. We trust you. We're we're good vibes. We don't have ill will towards this studio. It's not like, let's say, um, uh, Ghost of Tsushima with Sucker Punch. I don't have any ill will whatsoever with Sucker Punch after uh, the Infamous series and then First Light, the great DLC pack. I'm ready to fucking go, even though it's a totally new series. I have faith in them. I don't have any reason to look at them in a bad light. But with Dragon Age, even though Dragon Age Inquisition is an awesome fucking game. It's like, dude, I'm... They're really also not owned by EA. The thing is, with with being owned yeah, by EA, too, you have, a shorter, you have a shorter leash with gamers, too. Um, I don't know. Just the... 
don't know. <laughs> I don't feel like having this discussion for another 20 minutes. I understand where you're coming from, and I do think they have a hole to climb out of. It's just saying that's a, like almost irreparable. An part of my opinion on the game Anthem, which I just started playing as it's now been released, is the fact that I think that they've um, done something horrible to the reputation of the studio. So that's my point. I made it. Yeah, but I, we're acting as if Anthem reviewed as badly as 76 did. I mean, the Metacritic score is pretty damn close. They're both in the 60s, aren't they? No, Anthem's uh, low 70s. Three days. It was... It was in the 60s when only... It was in the 60s only when PC reviews are out. Sure. I would say that that's close enough to 76 with me. It's not in the same realm, I'll agree. It is not nearly as bad as 76 sounds. 76 sounds like an absolute disaster. This is a major disappointment. They're different things. Eh, I think in six months this game will have a, a good reputation again. They won't win back all of the players, but then again, I don't know if a lot of people, as Dom mentioned, that we've had reports that it's not selling well either. So it's like it's not like there's a bunch of people who are buying it and then being disappointed, like with Destiny. It, I'm not saying it's not a good thing, but it just seems like people aren't buying it. Period, because of the backlash. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a. It's not like they even. Let's just say with respawn, I'm, right? You said there. Uh, you said sucker punch isn't owned by EA even with issues that EA has had and, and minor issues with Respawn in the Titanfall series I don't think people are looking at them with like hatred in their hearts walking into Jedi Fallen Order whereas it's not just me I mean I'm not even like totally I bought the I pre-ordered the game after Andromeda so I still oh, have yeah. faith in Bioware but yeah. I'm saying the, the gamer the hearts and minds like I said of gamers as a whole it's just, it was unnecessary is my biggest point. It's like, why did you guys have to do this to yourself? You guys know how to make decent games. Look at the Dragon Age series. Well, Mass Effect series you, too. You had to take your, well, yeah, you know how to make good games. The Dragon Age series has never been like at the point where we're at after Andromeda. Dragon Age Inquisition, we're still in good standing. That's the only, at this point, kind of, uh, touch point that they have to to lean on and say hey the last game in this series not mass effect unfortunately but the last game in the dragon age series you guys like that so uh not according to like every of... journalist <laughs> yeah well, we've talked we've kind of made the joke that yeah there's revisionist history on that but let's go back to the metacritic score that game was beloved plenty of game of the year awards we liked it a lot of people love that game, right? So that, they do have goodwill on the Dragon Age series for sure. Because even 2, which is the least liked, wasn't hated. So they're good on that. But the revisionist history, I think, comes with... that. That's kind of proven my point. Is like, people are so down on Bioware as a whole, they can't even see through their clouded hatred in their minds and say, Oh no, I did like... Of course I like Dragon Age Inquisition. They've, like, built up this yeah. false bullshit in their heads of, like, no, we just hate Bioware. I think the, the reason the reason I'm not, like, as dire on it is because, and I understand where you're coming from. We're talking general, con, uh, like, consensus and general opinion, right? For me, mm -hmm. personally, Andromeda wasn't made by Team A, and it seems like Anthem was a game that they were forced into making. A single-player studio was forced into making a multiplayer game, and obviously it's having a ton of issues because it's that I way. Project Dylan and all that. It sounds like they wanted to make this. 
I don't know. There's even reports that Respawn has way more leeway with EA and they get to choose their release dates. Like, Jason Trier reported that they chose the release date for Titanfall 2, EA didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and that they wanted to get Um, Apex out. I'm just saying, for me, it's not... I'm skeptical, but it's not, like, dire for me. Because... But think about it this way, Jared. I know that you are not wary of the genre of, like, the Share of World shooters, but you're, like... You got your ears perked up. You know that it, like it's gonna take a while, probably, for these games to get somewhere. But I would say you're a bigger Bioware fan than even I am, and you weren't there for their day one big release of Team A, Team A Bioware. You know the the yeah. Mass Effect trilogy guys, right? So like, and the reason that was is because your your uh, interest wasn't all the way there. And it wasn't because of Bioware, it was because of, of Bioware Games of Service game that with early reviews was saying it has all the issues right. Games of Service games have. So I'm like, I'm cool picking it up in six months. You know what I mean? So, yeah. anyways, let's get to the quickie news. <laughs> it was a good discussion. I completely see where you're coming from, Jordan. I don't want to like try to discount. Release. I think it deserves the, the time. Yeah. I'm not trying to discount your opinion or anything. I was just trying to come from my perspective of like, I, I'm skeptical, but I still have faith in them and like i mentioned in our own when we were talking about it the next single player game that comes out so dragon age 5 we assume right or 4 sure uh 4 4 it's 4 4 if that game comes out and that game doesn't do well then i will be like okay washing my hands clean bioware has totally lost it but for me that, i'm not gi- i'm not giving up is where we're looking at ea just Shutting him down. Yeah. Mass Effect Andromeda, I give a pass because I thought that game was good. After they fixed all the wonky animations, the game was actually pretty solid, right? But we're talking about yeah, launch. But that's like and obviously at launch. Unity. No one's ever going to go back and be <laughs> exactly. like, oh, actually, Unity is a pretty good game. Like, that game's done, you know? Yeah. And that's and what matters. So, Jared. Really, at the end of the fucking day. Jared, what I'd say, though, yeah. is like, okay, I say. There's no DLC for Andromeda. What the fuck world are we living in? There's no DLC. The game was like, There's no expansion pass. So, Jared, yeah. what I'd say there, though, is so say, like, the next bunch of Anthem DLC just only gets worse and the game continues on the, the how it started. And then, say, drag, the next Dragon Age is even worse somehow. I can't imagine. But, you know. And then say Jedi Fallen Order is just a shithole too. Like say all those things happen, but then like, I mean that might for that might that's gonna deteriorate your opinion of Bioware and EA whatever for the time being. But like the next say then the next couple of years later they release Mass Effect Four or whatever they call it and like and it's a superb yeah. and it's an awesome game and it reviews off the charts. Like, well you're not gonna you're still gonna buy it right? We're all gonna buy it right? You know I was thinking yeah. about this they. But it's okay. If they don't name the next Mass Effect game Mass Effect Four, then they're idiots. Because then you just say, "Oh, Andromeda was like just a spinoff. Sorry, it wasn't as good. It was a B team. You know, it's a Far Cry New Dawn almost. Not quite. You know, it's well, a Far no. Cry Primal, if you will. I see your. They I can see act your... like that. They can act like that if they just say this baby is Mass Effect Four. This they could is also a real sequel. They could, yeah, they could also tie it directly to Shepard's story, which would make it okay with people. Right. Right. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And I do agree with you, Dom, that if it does get reviews, I'll be excited. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, if Dragon Age 4 comes out and it's not good, I'm going to lose faith in terms of being excited before the release of a game. You know what I mean? Sure. Until those reviews comes out. Still, with Bioware the, now, the moment I see a new... Is, it sucks we're having this conversation. Bioware shouldn't be in this conversation. <laughs> exactly. The one thing I will say, obviously Anthem has a lot of issues that we know about. 
but the gleaming ray of hope throughout it that leads me to believe Bioware still has it in terms of what I seek from them is everybody who's beaten the game says like, yeah, the story is like not super captivating, but the relationships between characters is authentically Bioware. And that to me is like good because that means they still have yeah, that. I will say, you know, I honestly didn't even get to talk too much about the game because I didn't get to play it because I kept getting disconnected. I will agree with that, Jared, but I get pulled out of the experience when I'm jumping from third person to first person going into the Fort Tarsus, and I'm talking with those, uh, having those, you know, social links, if you will. Yeah. It's a little bit jarring for me jumping from third to first, uh, but I will say that's kind of, yeah, kind of the one ray of hope where it's like, some of these characters have at least got my attention, you know. Yeah. Whereas, like in Destiny, you're always in third person in those bases, and I know it's a difference of like people liking first to third, but like even them, they're just like static people standing there, talking like fifteen feet away from you, being like, "Guardian, how yeah. was your journey?" It's like, who cares? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyways, as I shiny as these two fucking games are, these big planet-faring adventures, these sci-fi uh, romps, if you will. They should, they should not be as uh, hollow as they feel. Destiny and Mass Effect, it, it really uh, is upsetting. Especially, dude, this is the original writer of the Mass Effect series, Drew Carpishan. Like, what the fuck? They, they, you know, gimped him on this story where it's just repetitive missions. And people are right. It is like, you know, collectible missions. I've been on multiple collectible missions in the first five hours of like, get these shards gotta get all the light shards and bring them back here bullshit like yeah. that so um the one thing i want to say too is division 2 is right around the corner obviously that's another games of service game people are looking forward to people were excited because all of the dlc was going to be free but recently and this isn't in the news but i wanted to mention oh, it shit. ubisoft came out and announced essentially yeah all of that dlc and everything's going to be free but for 40 dollars you get that stuff a week early yeah, which isn't terrible. It it's like whatever, but it's still like gross. Yeah, yeah it's like honestly, I get it's it. It's gross because of the way they put it. Why wouldn't? Yeah, think about this. Why wouldn't you just come out and say, guys, our season pass it's forty bucks. Well, okay, you'd still piss people off, but you could say our season pass is forty bucks. But we're so damn nice. A week later, we're just gonna give it to you for free. But I would save that announcement for like, I don't know. It just, it's gross. I understand it. The business model, I get it. You have to wait a week, stop crying. But still, it's... After hearing at E3, you know, when they're like, Weird. all DLC is going to be free. And they're like, no, no, no. Weird. Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, we went a long time, but it was a worthy discussion. Like you said, it's a big game. All of us really enjoy Bioware, so it's like, it's worth having a discussion about. Let's get into this quickie news and then the final news here. Um, so we're going to go through these, not at a blistering pace, but if there's anything you want to comment on, go ahead. So first off, uh, Resident Evil 0, 1HD, and 4 are coming to Switch on the eShop on May 21st. Okay. Cool. Uh, the games will be available for pre-order starting uh, the day of recording this, February 28th. Uh, turns out each of those games is going to be around $30, which is awful. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, though, even though we are just shitting on the actual shooting mechanics of being on the Switch... Resident Evil 4 still has the fucking tank controls, even though it's, you know, the shining gem of the series that everyone It does not about. have tank controls. If they have, like, a, a motion... Huh? 4 doesn't have tank controls. 
Yeah, it does. Oh, not when I played it on like GameCube, and I guess Wii doesn't really count because that was motion controls. But that's what I was about to say. That may be the thing because it is tank controls. But if we have motion on the Switch, that might be like, oh, now I can actually play Resident Evil Four for Oddly thirty bucks. Enough. Like that's insane pricing. We were talking about remember Final Fantasy Seven being twenty two dollars. That's not Nintendo first party. That'll be on sale. That'll be on sale. It's it's. It's too much. It should be twenty. Capcom, that's the PS4 pricing. versions are twenty, but um, maybe it's because they're adding that HD rumble, that motion, baby. Gross. Next up, <laughs> uh, an official Monster Rancher franchise Twitter account has recently surfaced. Uh, fans are speculating what this means. Uh, one, t- uh, one tweet from the account states, "Please give us your support in the future." Uh, for reference, 2019 is actually the 20th year anniversary of Monster Rancher 2, which was the one in the series that kind of blew up. Um, and it released in 1999, obviously. And the last release in the Monster Hunter series was My Monster Rancher, which is a mobile game released in 2011. So the franchise has been dormant for a while. People are wondering what's going to happen. Obviously, with Monster Rancher, you used to insert your CDs to get new monsters. People are wondering, well, what are they going to do for that now? Uh... The assumption is save data because they've done that with some recent releases where it uses your save data to create monsters as opposed to individual uh, compact discs. Um, next up, this happened moments before recording the show. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 uh, campaign remaster was rated for PS4 in Europe. Uh, this year is Infinity Ward's year. There's a rumor that it's going to be Modern Warfare 4 in terms of their new release. Uh, would make sense if they bundle this just like they did the original Modern Warfare. Oh God, uh, Dom, we were talking about it. Everybody off. Yeah, I hope yeah, they don't they do piss it like everybody that. off. They're probably just they're gonna do it exactly uh, the same way. Oh, they will too. Which is funny because yeah. for March, one of the free PS Plus games is uh, the first Modern Warfare remastered. Yeah, because um, at this point in the in existence, you can buy it separately, right? Yes. It was yeah. like delayed. It was delayed when you could buy it separately. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, this wasn't on the news either, but March will be the first month where there's no more Vita or PS3 games. So they had to come hot with, uh, The Witness and Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered, which I think is a great month. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Uh, next up for Jordan, Mario Tennis Aces, we have some news of a couple of characters. Uh, Comic, who... They're changing. No more racket health, right, Jared? No more racket health. Uh, Comic, who people don't... Or Kamek... Uh, who people don't probably know the name of, the Blue Wizard character that's been in all the Mario games. Uh, he's coming in April, and our boy Dry Bones is finally coming in May. The holdout is over. Oh, wow. Dry Bones is making his way to Mario Tennis Aces. Um, so that's cool. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> whoever's still Dude, playing that is stoked. I just can't. It's like uh, Wargroove, man. It's like you built your game on some, in my opinion, stupid bullshit. Yeah. I can't. Uh, this is actually one of the crazier news stories. Uh, so Ryan McCaffrey, who hosts IGN Unlocked, and he also does a, a interview series called Unfiltered. Uh, by the way, really surprising news. This I'm going to add this in. IGN is getting rid of all of their video podcasts. They're going straight audio. Weird. Uh, very weird. Yeah. Are they still going to post on YouTube? Uh, it'd be an audio file with like a picture, but right. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. They haven't announced that. I'm just speculating or assuming. Um, oh. That's not even a real thing? That I don't know if they're putting it on YouTube. I don't know. Oh, okay. So they're definitely taking out video. Yeah, eliminating video from their podcasts. Um, crazy. 
kind of eliminates them for me because I like to watch stuff. Maybe, I don't know, we'll see. Anyways, it's besides the point. So Ryan McCaffrey on his IGN Unfiltered series was interviewing Bonnie Ross, who, if you're not familiar, is the head of 343 Industries, the Halo team. Well, you know, the Halo team that took over after Bungie. She stated in the interview that before her studio was formed, because she was working at uh, Microsoft and then she, for- she formed 343, uh, yeah. before they took over the Halo series from Bungie, that when Bungie had left, Microsoft actually considered handing over the franchise to a third-party developer for the next couple of entries, and you want to know who that developer was? Third-party developer was? <laughs> Gearbox Software. Uh, uh, yeah. They be on 8chan, bruh. God. Um, thank God that didn't happen. I know people love Borderlands. That's cool. I do not want Gearbox touching Halo, in my opinion. Then they'd... Hey, Jared, at least they'd have a legitimate excuse for not making Borderlands 3. <laughs> It would be interesting, God. It would be interesting to see Halo with its core gameplay, but with that art style. I would just be interested to see what that looked like. Um, oh no, they'd make a regular Halo game. Yeah, who knows? Uh, it's just because this would have been before Borderlands Two. So, Jared, Halo Colonial Marines. God, uh, there was actually I didn't include this in the quickie news. Uh, I didn't write it down, but I'll mention it. There was an employee spotlight. Uh, 343 does this for their employees to give a spotlight to some of their their workers that they really appreciate and are doing like exemplary work and um, I forgot the name of the fellow unfortunately but in his write up they talked about a 2D platformer game that they're working on internally called Halo Heroes and it was like a multiplayer arcade 2D platforming Halo game and it looks really cute cute really cool <laughs> Yeah, it's cute. It's like a little like Chibi Master Chief and Spartans and stuff. Um, it was more oriented at a younger audience, obviously, um, but it never came to fruition. It was just a really cool internal project that they worked on. There's actually multiple Halo spinoffs like that. Yeah. Kind of weird. Uh, the whole their weird deal with the Playmobil and the Halo toys and all that stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, Next up, uh, the EVO 2019 lineup was announced. I know we're not all huge fighting game fans, but there's some interesting news here that I want to talk about. So the nine games, some of them super Japanese. We have Undernight in Birth, uh, which is a fighting game. What? Uh, we we have uh, Blaze Blue Cross Cross Tank Battle, which is if you're familiar with Evo, Blaze Blue is a, a game or a franchise that's normally in Evo. Um, they have the Ruby characters from Rooster Teeth in it. Um, yeah. Next up, Samurai Showdown, which is a remake of the old school Samurai Showdown game. Which hasn't even been released yet. Apparently, it's released like a couple of weeks before Evo, which is kind of crazy. Um, but now to the actual fighting games that you know Western audiences will more than likely know: Street Fighter Five Arcade Edition made it in, no duh. Tekken Seven made it in, which is awesome. Dragon Ball Z Fighters made it in, which people weren't sure if it was going to because, uh, not because Jump Force is going to take over for it, but the meta is in a weird place right now, so people were wondering if the Evo judges were going to consider it. With its competitive scene not being super great right now in terms of the meta. Um, yeah, because did they... Was it... Who published the game? They, like, stopped doing tournaments or whatever? Something like that? Oh, yeah. Uh, fighters? Yeah, not uh, Bandai. No, no, no. You're thinking of... Uh, what's the other game? It wasn't Fighters that they stopped doing tournaments for. You have it confused oh, okay. with another fighting game. Uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Uh, but it wasn't DB Fighters. That was, It was a different fighting title. Um, Soul Calibur 6. Cool. I want to see Geralt smash some faces at Evo. Uh, 
And here's where it gets really cool. So Mortal Kombat 11 made the list, which people weren't sure either because that's coming out a couple of, you know, about six weeks before Evo. Um, and that's going to be headlining Sunday, which is huge. Sunday is like when, you know, the, the biggest audience is watching Evo. Um, but the biggest news is that, so that's eight games. The last game is Smash Brothers Ultimate, um, which is obviously, yeah, duh, you're going to have the newest Smash Brothers game in it. But this will actually mark the first time since 2013 that Melee isn't at Evo. And this is actually kind of a big thing because the Smash community is divided and people always consider Melee to be the gold standard. Um, and some of the best Smash players play Melee and they don't play anything else. So this is like kind of controversial because, like I said, Melee has been at Evo since 2013. Um, and it's not going to be there this year. And the community Dragon is divided. Dragon Fighters was getting pulled from tournaments. It was? Okay. Yes. DualShockers.com. So uh, this has actually the community, the fighting game community divided because half the community is upset because Melee, they feel, is, should be at Evo every year because it is the best Smash game. Whereas the other half of the community is like, finally, get over it. It's an old game. Move on. Right? Um, I know we're not all huge fighting game fans, but what do you guys think about that, about the community being divided on Melee not making it? It is a big deal because that uh, – so, I'm sorry, Switch is in it? Yeah, Ultimate is in it, yes. Okay, so that's the thing is people were like, oh, probably thinking, you know, is it – are they going to chop it off as soon as the Ultimate version comes in? And I'm sure that there are people that like Melee better than Ultimate even though there's uh, – Well, remember the last couple of years it was Melee and the Wii U game. It was two Smash games have been at EVO. Um, and yeah. now it's only one. I guess so. what I would say, because I'm a dumb, fun-sucking, uh, dry old man, is oh um, what I would say is well, I, how do they make these decisions as far as what games you know get into Evo, and also as someone who's ignorant of the topic entirely, but how do they make these decisions? Is it not like based on at least like trying to be based on some audience? audience exactly, demand. So, I mean, popularity, popularity yeah. or community forums or I don't know I, I just can't imagine that they are not um, if there's some kind of board of people who run this tournament or something if they're not like trying to do their best to you know put the games in that they think best represent the uh, fighting community I don't know well, well, Dom uh, the Evo board has been kind of they've they've been known that they hate me, uh, Melee like the Evo board has been known for a while that they hate that the game is even at Evo so they're possibly they're kind of defying that demand because they want like newer games or something. They want to move on from that already or have a bias against it. Well, no, you're thinking. Well, yeah, they've wanted the game to not be at Evil for a long time now okay. because they did feel that it was holding back the event as a whole because it is such an old game, and they feel that you know with newer games you have metas evolving and you have players like learning and it's a lot more competitive and interesting. Whereas if you feature a game like Melee, it's going to be the same twelve old dudes that have been playing forever, right, that are usually going to be at the top of the list. No new players are going to want to go back to play Melee at a competitive level, you know, so. There's got to be other games that people want to see, though, that are, like, you know, technically classic games compared to newer games that are, like, still being updated or whatever. So why wouldn't they just kind of have, like, an arm of the, I don't know, what is Evo, a tournament or whatever? Yeah. That is you know, classic games, Melee and fucking Virtua Fighter, I don't know, whatever you guys want to do. Well, I think also you have to think about it from a marketing and partnership standpoint is uh, Evo partners with a lot of these games and publishers 
because we often see yeah. reveals uh, from these games. I guarantee you we'll probably see a Mortal Kombat 11 DLC character reveal at Evo. Um, yeah, they're not going to reveal a new Smash Bros. Melee. Melee character, exactly. Or a new commercial or a new edition or something. Um, so yeah, it's, just, it's interesting to see a community like that that we're not really a part of be divided on that. Um, and to be frank, from what I've read, it's more of a 75-25 split of people are happy that it's gone. It's not really a 50-50 split, um, but yeah. the Melee community is very vocal, so they make sure they sound like 50%. Just think about how like the iron-fisted grip of that game in that community. Yeah. That's well, I mean, people, people complain that people are... People complain that you can still use a GameCube controller on your Switch because they kind of want to move past that, you know? It's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next up, a quick announcement. CD Projekt Red has confirmed they're going to be uh, at E3 2019 with Cyberpunk 2077. Though this isn't, like, breaking shocking news, it's cool to be confirmed. Uh, I would almost guarantee that we're going to see this at Xbox's conference. <laughs> we're not seeing it at Nintendo's, and PlayStation isn't holding a conference. So, um, I, right? We could pencil this in for Xbox's thing? Or am I off base on well, yeah, that? Yeah, it was, it was there. It ended their last conference. Exactly, yeah. I just want to make sure I'm not like, no, Jared, they're going to hold their own event or something. I don't know. I just want to see if you guys had any other they opinions. They fucking could, man. But here's the thing, though, is there's been some uh, reports this week about uh, CD Projekt and uh, GOG not really doing too well, and they've been, had layoffs. So there's a like underlying conspiracy theory uh, that they made this announcement to kind of get some goodwill in the news circuit because... Um, there was news of like layoffs and stuff for GOG and uh, GOG. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which make uh, that's not you know marketing. It seems like something they would do. It makes sense. Uh, yeah, nothing too crazy there. I hope we actually see like legitimate gameplay. I mean, we saw gameplay last year, but it was uh, like a demo. You know what I mean? I want to see more of yeah. like a free form uh, piece of gameplay, which would be really cool. I gotta say, you know, obviously I'm still hyped on uh, Cyberpunk. To the max, not to the max, but definitely very hyped. Uh, but they announced this game so long ago, it would do them well to get it out because. Well, to that point. Yes, whenever they show the game, it looks great and gets great hype. But every other thing that comes out is all bad news about CD Projekt <laughs> and their situation, their business, whatever it may yeah. be. Layoffs here, Glassdoor reviews there. It's just like they need this game to come out and actually be awesome and you know all that uh there was some talk on twitter that apparently uh people were like discussing why they think this game has taken so long to come out right As, you know it's a long development cycle because it's a very ambitious game but um one of the running uh pieces of information that people are hearing is that uh in the last couple of years they actually completely changed the gameplay loop uh of cyberpunk well, 2077 they didn't say that specifically, but when uh, those people like threatened them and uh, leaked that shit, they're like, "Yeah, that's a, basically a totally different game from a while ago." Yeah. Know? So <laughs> we honestly don't care if you release it because it's you know it's not even they didn't say this exactly, but it's not indicative of the game that we're currently developing. So that's and, I figured as such. And changing the core gameplay loop like that can add years to a development. You know what I mean? So. I do think it w it will come out before the end of 2021. I'm hoping we get 2020 as a release date at E3. I, it's not coming out this year. Not a chance in hell uh, that, that this game comes out 2019. Um, but I could see fall 2020 or even like a summerish, like a May 
We'll I see. I see them saying it's coming out this year, but yeah, I don't think it's going to. Yeah. Um, Dom, anything to say about Cyberpunk being at E3? Mm, nah, I bet if they won't say anything about a year or a release date at all. If they do, it'll be just a vague like next year. I bet that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, another confirmation. Uh, EA confirmed that we'll get our first look at Jedi Fallen Order at Star Wars Celebration on April 13th, uh, which is cool. We still haven't seen anything of this game. People are wondering, how is this game coming out this fall if we haven't seen it? Well, I assume we're not going to see a lot at Star Wars Celebration, right? I think we'll see... Uh, honestly, I don't even think we'll see actual gameplay. I think it'll be a CG trailer. Two-minute trailer? Yeah, I think a two-minute like CG trailer introducing us to maybe either the primary protagonist or the antagonist i don't think we'll see actual gameplay until e3 what do you guys think we're going to see that, that sounds about right because then they can kind of focus on that at e3 yeah. along with whatever the blowout yeah along with whatever anthem expansions they want to talk about what <laughs> what if it's just uh fuck what's his name at over at respawn uh the man that respawn. awkward guy uh, just, sit, oh, just sitting in the crowd with Andrea yeah. Renee, like, yeah, we're doing a game. We're doing a game. The thing is, Vince Zampella, he's actually not that awkward. That I am convinced that he was no, stoned. No, no, it's not even that. Yeah, it was just such a fucking <laughs> dumb, dumb, dumb yeah. way to do that. It's like EA has their head so far up their ass sometimes well, that they're actually trying to walk around, and you're like, what? You could you even like, tell. See them walk by. And it's like a person wrapped up into their own ass, with their head up their own ass walking well, past you. The thing is that he's close friends with uh, Andrea <coughs> Renee, uh, Vincent Pella, and you, it just seemed like an interview of he's like, I have to do this. They asked me to do this yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it makes sense. They usually do this with their games where it's like a cinematic, like they did with Battlefield where we got the cinematic and then at E3 we get the blood of gameplay, right? By the way, where's Battlefield 5's uh, Battle Royale mode? Uh, now with Apex yeah. Legends out, I don't even know if EA cares. Sure. Um, the one thing I will say... Uh, here, So with Apex Legends, I would love if Respawn's allowed to add in Star Wars-inspired skins for characters. I, I mean, my dream would be like add in actual Star Wars characters, but that would be like lore-breaking and no. even then the licensing and the nightmare there, even though they're working on Jedi Fallen Order. But I would love, like, some kind of... Like, in Fallen Order, I would love uh, an Easter egg to Apex Legends. Like, not even directly, like, referencing them or anything. Not, nothing like that. But just a subtle environment Easter egg would be really cool. Uh, for people who play Apex Legends. Something to do with one of the Legends or something. Anyways, super excited about that. Uh, this could be a good year for Star Wars, which is great. If Fallen Order hits and uh, Episode Nine hits... Because uh, the last thing I want to do is hear about that fan base talking on Twitter. Um, <laughs> lastly, let's uh, let's get into some Pokemon news, boys. We got a Pokemon Direct. Yes. Uh, the, the Pokemon, Pokemon Sword. The Pokemon. Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, which okay. is... Okay, can we do a real quick thing where we choose what we'd like the third version to be? Uh, okay. You want me to Lancer. go first? Pokemon Lancer. Uh, I want Crown. Sword, shield, and crown. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna guess what will absolutely not Sword, be the actual shield. result, and I'm gonna say Pokemon Gun. Uh, okay. People like people like the idea of staff, sword, shield, staff, but I like crown. I would say short sword, shield, spear sounds likely, but I would really like. Uh, what did I say? Or armor, uh, lance, hmm? or 
I would like Lance, and they won't do it because of uh, Anthem, but you could do Javelin, something like that. Lancer is cool, though. The fact that it's in England, like, royalty, right, crown, like, crown makes sense. The Galar. The Galar region. Pokemon Sword, Shield, uh, Cup. Um, so, anyways, Pokemon Sword and Shield were announced. Interesting titles. Obviously, they usually go towards, like, colors. Um, or, I guess Sun and Moon kind of broke that tradition was the first one to do that, but yeah, Sword and Shield is very interesting. Obviously, we'll get into why that plays into the possible legendaries. Um, I'm going to go through this information, and anytime you want to like stop and talk about it a little bit, just let me know. I'll get into some of it as well. So it's going to be releasing later in 2019. The assumption is November. It's usually when uh, Pokemon games are released. could be late October as well. Um, it's directed by Shigeru Omori. If you're not familiar, he directed uh, Oras, which is Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. And he directed Sun and Moon. Um, and that's important, as we'll get into later. But he stated that we're challenging ourselves to try new things while learning, while still treasuring what makes Pokemon special. Uh, Omori has taken over from Masada and a couple of the other directors, and he's a younger guy. And people have credited him with taking risks. Sun and Moon didn't feature gyms. They featured, like, these weird challenge things. And um, we talked about this privately, Dom. I said that uh, as somebody who's played every generation of Pokemon... There, though it's still incremental, it's not what people absolutely want, there has been more evolution in the layout of a Pokemon game the last three gens, more so than there has been the previous five, and a lot of that is credited to Omori. So, um, so but are we getting gyms here? I don't think we're getting gyms, are we? Uh, I no. think the, the stadiums are... We'll, we'll get it. I, I, we can talk about it a little later as well, but yeah, I think the stadiums that we saw, the, the soccer stadiums... I think that's the play on it, and I think what they're doing is usually with gyms, it's you go in there, there's a couple of other fighters you face, and it's themed on some like puzzle you have to solve. I think this one really wants to play up the spectacle Pokemon battles, and I think it's a it's this is going to be about you like becoming maybe not famous, but like you know playing in front of a crowd and like building up on that, um, and a lot of you beating these gym leaders will be focused not so much on. Are we gonna? I'm sorry to interrupt. Are we gonna have like a hundred battle tower like we did in Coliseum, dude? Uh, there was actually there was a tower, a battle tower like that in uh, Black and White, and uh, there is a tower that looks like what's the name of the building in London that looks like the uh, the Space Needle in Seattle? Uh, can't remember the name off the top of my head. It's like a pinpoint building, but there is something that resembles that in the map for the Gala region. Um, nice. So one thing is there's no obvious or apparent Let's Go integration. Uh, yet, obviously, we saw a very brief glimpse of the game, but we saw random battles, so you're not seeing the wild Pokemon, which is actually one of the only features from the Let's Go games I would have wanted and uh, follower Pokemon. Though that's not out of the out of question because they could have just had it so they didn't have a Pokemon in their number one spot to save that reveal for later that following Pokemon are coming back. Um, graphically, it's not a major leap, but so I actually went back after the direct and booted up Sun and Moon to like check it out to make sure I wasn't like overselling it um, it isn't a major leap graphically but there is clearly like way more design detail in terms of like buildings like the objects they have in there and then on characters there's more design detail and there's more like shadow casting um, yeah. so it is a step up obviously it's not a drastic step up but it is a, is a visual improvement so I got, I got something um, on this topic so... actually Jared and okay. not much else yeah, <laughs> on the game but my initial oh. thought was like, ah, oh, this is, I was kind of, 
and disappointing is not really fair because I've not played Pokemon since I was a kid, and so it's like, you know, this world really wasn't yeah. going to do anything for me no matter what. But my first thought was like, oh, it looks like you know an up-res 3DS Pokemon game, which now I'm like, the more I think about it, and that's really really unfair because if think about like year-to-year Call of Duty games, and even the Call of Duty games like from PS3 to PS4, for example, graphically, you know, t- there's not that much difference. So this is actually a even though it, you could tell it was, you know, they started with, like, the 3DS assets probably, and it kind of went from there. It's not, like, a whole re-new yeah. system, but it's still a sizable jump in, in graphics. It's just not, like, the people wanted, like, a full 3D action type game or something. Well, it's not that, right? But I think it's still a pretty sizable advancement in terms of graphics to me. I don't know. And so it, those criticisms, I think, are kind of unfair because it's kind of a good leap in that sense, I'd say. I think... Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with expectations, obviously. And if the Switch was only a handheld, right. I think people would be excited with the leap. Yeah. But the fact that right. the the Switch has so much more power than just a handheld, maybe not so much more, but more power than just a handheld. Yeah, but... Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I, well, I, I thought you were, like, I was going to build once you finished. Sorry. Oh. Um. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Jordan. Just comparing this to the leap for Fire Emblem. Yeah. I think mm. the leap here is done so much more smoothly. Mm. This is how Ooh, I expected good argument. it to look. Good yeah. call. This is how I expected it to look, and I'm totally pleased. I think another big thing that I talked about with Fire Emblem, that had poor artistic design choices that made it look dull, and this doesn't. This may not be the highest resolution thing you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And there might be areas that do look less detailed than other first-party Nintendo games on the Switch, but it certainly has a vibrancy, and it certainly has uh, exciting artistic choices that uh, have me my interest peaked. So um, I think that people are going to freak out when the next game is not ten times better. I think it's going to look better. I think it's going to feel uh, a lot different, but... Uh, I'm glad where we're at. You know, I'm I'm like, if you guys were able to turn around a Pokemon like this so quick on the Switch, uh, as long as it is quality and it doesn't have a bunch of let's go bullshit and like random, you know, brushing the dirt off my Pokemon on the touchscreen bullshit, then... I'm that's a good excited. point well, you mentioned jordan is that this is a quick turnaround so that's the other thing to keep in mind is when did sun and moon come out 2017 fall 2016 16 and then we had ultra sun and moon yeah i mean so yeah we had ultra sun and moon the following year and then we had let's go last yeah year. so you're talking three years yep. with you know games in between so like this is like this is pretty damn quick turnaround so like yeah to expect I, I, I don't know, it's just worth I'm thinking pleased, about yeah. that's all yeah, and yeah. The way- I, 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 of course people are gonna yeah. bitch, right? But it's like, no, nah, dude, this game's gonna be fucking dope. I think, I, and the reason I'm impressed and it, ex- it exceeded my expectations, not crazily, like it didn't like hype me up crazy, but I, th- I consider this like a cross gen game, except it's not coming out on the last gen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, kind of, yeah. Yeah, um, and I do think we could see a crazier leap from this to the next game. Like I mentioned when I was talking to you guys, I think the next game will be the one where we'll see how they decide to handle the switch. I think that's the one where we judge. 
okay, yeah, how incremental. Mostly it'll just kind of shift to more of an open worldish vibe, even though this one will probably have that too. Um, I feel like next one they'll probably just nail about the the gi- giant feeling of the world. Hopefully, but, yeah. I honestly again, think most of the time Switch worlds do feel more empty, you know, just because of the processing power, like Breath of the Wild, for example. So. I don't know. I, I'm just excited to play Pokemon but, on the Switch. Like, real fucking Pokemon. Think yeah. about this. Like, so if they take this graphic style, uh, think of it pumped up a little bit higher than what this one will be. Think of uh, a little bit more open design, and then it's red and blue. People will lose their minds. Um, because the next game is going to be a remake, and people are like, oh, they'll just remake Jana 4. I don't think so. I think... I think with the with the really, switch. I don't know, man. With I think let's go is like them saying that's our remake, guys. Uh, no, because uh, hardcore fans. Sure. Yeah, it's it's tough. It doesn't matter what the fans think, though. I think the Pokemon company in their heads, it's like, guys, we did the remake. Uh, but let's go didn't sell very well in Japan. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hope that they're gonna, you know, that they would be open to doing something like well, that. The next game will be a remake. Just we just don't sure. know of what. They've, They've never said that. Well, that's Pokemon's track record going back to 1998, Jordan. But it's, that's what I'm saying. It's quite possible that they, in their minds, I'm not saying it's for sure. Yeah. But in their minds, they might be thinking, well, we just did the remake with Let's Go. Well, no, what I'm saying is their next game will be a remake, but I'm saying I, I think it'll be red and blue, but it'll probably be Gen 4 because um, that's been their track record. It's... Uh, Remake, then a new title, then a remake, then a new title. Remember, they did uh, Soul Silver. It's been fi- off and on every time. Yeah, it was Soul Silver, Heart Gold, then Black and White, then Oros, then uh, Sun and Moon. Black and White Two. Well, that came right after Black and White. It was Black and White, Black and White Two, Oros, and then Sun and Moon. So not quite off and on. Well, that's a Sun and Moon. Uh, Black and white two are technically. I guess it's like the ultra version. Exactly. Yeah. So that doesn't really. That's like you know sun and moon and sun uh, ultra sun and ultra moon. Um, Either way, the let's go games have have kind of fucked us as far as like because always there's always been spinoffs, but those feel so major in a way, even if they didn't sell well in Japan, because uh, people did freak about freak out about them over here. So. But red, the red I and blue. The I, I just hope it doesn't fuck up the main line. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, but you're, we're talking about they don't care about the fans bu- already buying a remake. You don't think they know that like red and blue, the red and blue gen outsells all the other ones, and they're not just gonna remake it again and be like, well, you got that one, but that's more of like a casual experience. You really think so? I just feel like they're like that one's as close as we're gonna get. Unfortunately, I'm. I don't want that to be the. Yeah, I don't know. They've they've remade it twice already, so they had the fire red and leaf green, and then now with this game, I think they're more than willing to go back on the yeah. Switch, uh, especially when it has a huge install base, and that'll even sell more Switch consoles. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. Um, let's get to Remind more... Remind me, Gen 4, real quick, is Ruby Sapphire? No, that's Gen 3. No, no, no. So Gen 4 is Diamond? Uh, Diamond, Pearl, uh, Crystal. Platinum, Crystal, is or yes, two. yeah. I always get those two confused for some reason. Um, let's get to some more of these details. So we can close up the show because we're going a little long. Uh, the Gala region, uh, Gen Eight region, obviously based on the UK, 
it's vertically rectangular as opposed to most of the other maps that are square regions even sun and moon it's islands but it's a square right um and this one's very vertical uh going up um to the mountains it features uh, yeah the wall uh, which we'll get into uh, right now so the features a train system which is iconic to obviously england and the uk uh rolling hills london inspired city uh countrysides has a broken down castle near some lakes, which is really interesting. It could be a cool area. Probably some ghostly, ghastly Pokemon there. Dude, it reminds me of Westeros, the way it goes up into the north. Well, yeah, because Westeros is based off of uh, a map of the UK. So that's why people are right, making right. jokes on Twitter. Like, oh, it's based on Game of Thrones. It's like, that's funny, but it's also just based on the UK. And you as got well. your Aaron Hall, like you said, you got uh, near the lake. You got your little uh, fucked up castle. And, and then on the wall at the top, obviously. Um, right, yeah. So there's obviously that. F- uh, one thing I will say, we were talking about the graphics earlier, Dom, and you were talking about how it does clearly look better. The shot in the trailer where you see the character walking and you see that the figure on the hill and it's like in the distance. Um that is really impressive. There wasn't really any like a scene like that in the environment in Sun and Moon. I thought that was very impressive, like the draw distance of that. Um, and that figure is actually based on what I found out. It's called the Cernabasa Giant, which is this giant carving in the side of an English hill of a, a villager dude with a giant penis. <laughs> Obviously, oh, Nintendo didn't go with the giant Jesus penis. Uh, but yeah, if you, yeah. you can Google it, and it's a, it's a villager dude with a giant wang. Um, Dude, there's like phallic statues, ancient phallic statues that are like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. The fuck were you guys thinking? It's like Egyptians are obsessed with cats. The UK was obsessed with uh, something else. Um, <laughs> so the wall at the top is kind of inspired-ish by Game of Thrones. Uh, looking at the map, they released it. Uh, what I noticed is uh, there was a grass gym. Um, and obviously these could be dual types. There was a grass gym, which is like standard, a water gym, which is standard. But there was a fairy gym, which is super dope because there's never actually been a fairy gym in a Pokemon game. And it type. it lends itself to uh, it lends itself to um, kind of uh, like Scottish and uh, Celtic uh, mythology. So that's really awesome. It's like in a little forest. And there's also in the ice area, people at first glance are like, oh, it's just an ice gym. But the logo on it isn't ice, isn't the the white color associated with the ice type in Pokemon. It's black, which means that it's either a dark ice suit, like dual gym, uh, or it's just a dark gym, which we've also never had, uh, which is really cool too. Um, another thing that I noticed is there's the, in the map, there's uh, the, the lakes. We could possibly see a reference to the Loch Ness Monster Jordan with like a Lapras or something, or a new Pokemon. That looks like Loch Ness. Um, and uh, this is one thing I was going to say about the map is that, uh, and the story, is that it may revolve around royalty or inspired by Wars of the Roses, which was, yeah. is what inspired Game of Thrones, which if you don't know, right. was the war between the House of York and the House of Lancaster, which obviously George R. R. Martin turned into House Stark and House Lannister. York, Stark, Lancaster, Lannister. Um Sword and shield. The one thing I will say too is, uh, you guys both watched the trailer, or did you guys see the map at least? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thing that's interesting about this map is that the most advanced city in this game looks to be at the top at the end of your journey, which is a lot different than almost any other Pokemon game because usually 
the most advanced map in uh, town in any region is like the market city. You know, like in every Pokemon game, there's like the big town where there's like the shopping center and you get your stones and your elixirs and all that stuff. Uh, this is the first time that a Pokemon game seems to have the most advanced largest city at the end of the game, which is really interesting. Um, we assume oh, it's at the man. end because it's at the top of the map and the starting village is at the bottom, but with the train system, who knows? So This is going to be cool for the anime because with Sun and Moon and it being all like Hawaii and shit, they basically made the anime look like uh, Ponyo for the Sun and Moon seasons. Yeah. So when they end up doing Pokemon's uh, Sword and Shield anime... It'll be like a fantasy anime, so I think that'll be really fun. Uh, the other rumor is people think that that top city is Rhyme City, which, if you're not familiar, is a city featured in the Detective Pikachu series, which is London <laughs> oh. in the Pokemon world. And people think that you'll get there and there'll probably be like a Detective Pikachu shout-out or Easter egg or something, but people are assuming that that's... Dude, I bet there'll be a whole like storyline you know, where you're dealing with all that shit. Well, and that's the side note, too, is uh, I almost guarantee that... Uh, Gen 8 Pokemon are in Detective Pikachu and they've probably been edited out of the trailers. Um, yeah. I almost guarantee that. Uh, and we'll There's see gonna some. There's going to be icons, dude. There's going to be icons from this gen. Uh, and lastly, the last couple of things. Uh, the biggest the biggest, more advanced city seems to be the side of the Elite Four endgame. Duh. That's where the big tower is, Jordan, where we were talking about like a battle... Uh, a battle tower. Exactly. Um, football soccer stadiums may be the overarching theme for the gyms. Usually there is a theme. Yeah. Um, and it may not be a traditional gym, just like in Sun and Moon, they weren't traditional gyms. Be interesting to see what happens there. Um, starters... With them, like, returning to console, if they take some influence from Pokemon Coliseum, that is going to be right up my alley, man. Uh, the start... Pokemon Coliseum. The starters are a grass monkey named Grookey, who I like. A uh, score bunny, who's the fire rabbit, who looks like uh, my dude. Uh, the the tricks rabbit. That's that's the crowd favorite right now. That's everybody's favorite. And the sad boy Sobble, who's a water chameleon. Um, I had a, I had a funny tweet where I named them, and I called the grass monkey Caesar Salad, which I don't know if anyone got the reference. Caesar from Planet of the Apes uh, and Salad because he's grass. I said that the fire bunny was named Who Flamed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> And uh, I call. I said Sobble's name was uh, Rango's depressed stepson. Um, oh. <laughs> wow. Um, Score Bunny's a shitty name. Yeah, I don't like Score it. Score Bunny's a shitty name. Uh, I like Sobble. By, by the way, it reminds me of my Litten from Sun and Moon, or Sun, I should say, uh, named Scorch Cat. Ooh. Uh, I don't pick my starter until I see the final evolutions, because like you're with these little baby boys oh. not that long. So I want to see if they turn into something grotesque or something cool. My hope yeah, is, yeah. dude, score buddies at Evos are gonna be fucking cool. I just really, I think uh, it depends. Dude, they think could, of like a badass like fire, but oh, but they could go weird like and go blaziken. super buck teeth. That's what I'm afraid yeah, of. I don't know. I think I think it's gonna be more. Blaziken. I'm picturing like the fucking like tricks a, bunny with like a backwards hat. I think I saw a tweet of Grookey. Grookey, I want to be a silverback gorilla covered in moss. If it's anywhere close to that, I'm 100% down. That sounds sweet. Uh, you know what? As soon as we get done here, I'm going to go and look up what people have drawn up. Fan theories. The evolutions, because those were the coolest uh, in Sun and Moon, and I can't wait to see what people uh, thought of. Lastly, uh, off the top, just knowing the, 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 the level one starters, Jordan, 
you're score bunny right and i'm grookey mm. that can change with yep. third level evolutions we'll see for me anyways and i'm shield by the way I'm playing shield. I'm down with shield too, but like I said, for the sake of discussion, I might go sword just so we have different experiences, yeah. slightly different. Yeah. There's this weird thing. Everyone's like, who would ever pick shield? I'm like, the kids who think they're cool pick sword. <laughs> like the kids who are like, I'm cool. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> it's whole conversation. I, I just felt the shield, you know? I yeah, felt me the too. Vibes. I was like, because you could think, you could see them doing like uh, sword and spear, you know, like two kind of weapons. Yeah, but it's cool that it's attack and defense. Well, uh, real quick, the last point before I close out the show. Uh, so the wolf head is actually featured on both of the logos. It's at the it's at the hilt of the sword and at right. the top of the shield. The assumption is that the legendary or the pair of legendaries are wolves, and one of them is defensive based, i.e. shield, and one of them is offensive based sword. Yeah, um, oh, I would love I love the big cat legendaries. You know, Raikou's like my favorite Pokemon. So the wolf legendaries, I am pumped for i hope so we talked about it could be based on the wars of the roses imagine if one wolf is the house wolf of uh, of one they're house direwolves. yeah one they're is a dire direwolf wolf for one house and one is a dire wolf for the other and they're like separated at birth or something yeah they're and, gonna have like banners and That's one house is like defensive based and one house is offensive based there's a whole like thing there that could be really cool i'm excited we'll get definitely a lot more details at e3 and we'll talk about it um yeah, I think it was a overall real quick. Uh, I want to know what you guys think in terms of the uh, what you expected and what was announced. I thought it slightly exceeded my expectations, um, yep. and I set them appropriately. I wasn't Breath of the Wilding like all yeah. these crazy lunatics. I thought they did a good job. Yeah. Yep, I would say the same. Uh, you know, I love Pokemon, and uh, not everything about Pokemon, but I think I was like jared said appropriately excited and i feel like they seem to be nailing it it seems like this is going to be um a great entry in the series and a great um starting off point for the mainline uh games on the switch and yeah i'm uh got me very hyped very excited and if it comes out in 2019, then that's a big deal to me. If we have to wait till 2020, if I don't think it's going to get delayed, but if we did, that's like, that's a disappointment. Because the fact that it's not, you know, Breath of the Wild is okay because it's in 2019. I think for some weird reason in my own head canon, I guess you could yeah. say. So with, that's where I'm at. With the release of Detective Pikachu, this game is, Pokemon games never get delayed. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's guaranteed. Yeah. It's coming out. Uh, Dom, for somebody who's probably not buying the game... Or maybe not day one or at all. What did day you think one. about the announcement? So day once one. again... Are you day one right now? No. 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 God, no. He's, he's day no. never. Okay. So once again, <laughs> as a snobby, old, grumpy man, I'll, and maybe a bit edgy in this case, I'll say this looks like a great Pokemon game that is on the 3DS's succeeding console. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what he's he's basically agreeing with your point about it being a cross generational game that is yeah. on 3ds. Yeah, I think. Is there real quick? You don't have to go on and on about it. Probably the answer is just nothing. Um, but Dom, is there anything you could see at E3 that would tip your hat towards the chance or possibility of buying this game? Uh, yes. If if Dragon Quest 11 S gets canceled entirely for Switch in the U.S., then I might consider. Oh God. Damn. Oh, you're interested in Dragon Quest? Yeah, I have been for a while. Ever since they like remade cool. eight on 3DS, I was like, "Ooh, that looks kind of cool." Actually, I don't know. And 
it's like anytime there's like a series that's had ten games, it's like it's worth looking well, at. We, we all know that Dom's a huge Dragon Ball <laughs> fan, Jared. So his Akira Toriyama uh, love and you'll, comes through here. And you'll actually get the good version of the game, according to all those people who are mad that they bought the PS4 version Dude, with the bad music. I feel so bad for them. But it's like Michael Huber said, I think on Frame Trap, it's like, if you waited, you win. Like, oh, <laughs> or I mean, just um, buy it again. Too. And I wanted to play it so bad. Yeah. But no, and... Or just play it again, true. So I'm not going to come off and pretend I'm a huge Dragon Quest fan or something. I've never played one, but I don't know. I, coming into this year, I've been kind of like hungry for a, a deep RPG on the Switch. And, you know, we got Fire Emblem coming out, and now Dragon Quest has kind of been on the radar, and they got great reviews on PS4. There's Pokemon game, which didn't have as much of a chance, really, for me. Um but yeah, now we got all these Final Fantasy games coming on Switch. And I'm like, oh, I just, I don't know. I'm feeling like a good RPG, and uh, Dragon Quest seems like it's gonna be that. So sorry, Pokemon. But would you would you get Pokemon Crown if it came out next year, the third version? No, I'm more likely to play Let's Go to be honest, because uh, I would at least have the nostalgia in that. Yeah. What? I think it's pretty cool. Gotcha. Fuck. Because of the nostalgia, oh. which is what got people. Dumb. Um, you just broke my heart. Uh, you just broke my heart. Uh, lastly, before we move on to what we've been playing, get out of here because we this is rec- we're, we're at a record <laughs> pace right now. Um, I am happy that a lot of that Let's Go stuff didn't make it in. Like I said, I would love to Let's see the Let's Go is an abomination. Let's uh, Go is a fucking abomination. I would love to see the non wild uh, encounters, but like. I'm glad that they understand that their core base did not like what was in that game. And the people who oh, did, but dumb, I was sitting there on the purchase, dude. I was like, nostalgia, nostalgia. And then I was like, Jared, you can't let uh, nostalgia control you like this. I, I was the same, man. I, <laughs> I was the same. Dude, okay, here's the thing. I would have bought Let's Go if you could battle Pokemon in the wild. You like mean you, you mean it. you don't like just flicking a pokeball over and over? Yeah, like, that's ridiculous. That's abomination type shit. So um, it's not for yeah, me. So fact, I get it, but dude, ugh, yeah, dude. If if we didn't have random encounters in Sword and Shield, I would be yes. Well, that's why they made it a point to show that in the trailer. That's like one of the first thing they yeah. show. They're like, she's crawling in the bush. Yeah. Random encounter. They're fighting. They're, don't worry, they're fighting. Um, yeah. In terms of what we're going to be playing. Uh, more Trials Rising for me. I want to get through Kingdom Hearts 3. I- I'm at the point, and the reason I haven't really gone to it when I have free time is, like we talked about this last week, is like, I don't dislike the game. I am having fun. But it's it's like, do I really want to play through? bittersweet. Th- yeah. Also, uh, I made the commitment that I'm going to be playing through the first two Metro games again before I get to Exodus, just because I want oh. to I want to go in, like, Freshly with the story because it was it's been so long since I played those games and they're not very long either they're like eight to twelve hours a piece, um, so uh, yeah that's what I'm planning to do. So it's pretty much it for me. Um, I want to get to Umbrella Academy too, um, so I'm stoked to to get to that as well. And uh, yeah, oh, we're recording uh, later than usual next week, so I wanted to mention obviously Captain Marvel. I'm super excited. Reviews are, are, yes. are really great from the from everybody. And then the people I actually, like, really, really love their opinion in terms of movies, they're gushing about it. What I want to say is, like, Brie Larson got yoked for the role. I don't know if you guys have seen the image of her on the red carpet for the premiere. Yoked. Dude, her back muscles yoked. are, like, hashtag goals. <laughs> like, seriously, like, you, oh I don't know if you, you've seen Room, right, Jordan? Like, she's she plays yeah. a frail character yeah. in that. It's a whole point, right? Uh, I mean, Brie Larson is just, like, a regular girl. She's not, you know... She's not uh, Gal Gadot, 
Gal Gal Gadot. Well, Gal Gadot but, uh, is tall, but she's also she's kind of frail. Stick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she wasn't Brie Larson wasn't a stick, but she's just like a normal sized girl. So I'm sure that they had her just yeah. Uh, people are saying obviously Yoke. Samuel Jackson uh, is great in the movie, and from what everyone's saying is like she's like a great addition if she's going to be leading the Avengers post Endgame. It's going to be great. So um, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. Excited for all that. What about you guys? Just off of that, I want to say I'm just excited uh, to have an excuse to go see something in the Dolby uh, Theater. I'm going IMAX 2D. Can't wait. Theaters. Yeah. Um, I've been wanting to go see stuff and like um, fucking uh, Unbreakable Sequel. Glass. Glass. Spl- I was going to say Split. Uh, well, technically I was right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking Split. I was <laughs> yeah. thinking Split. Um, yeah. Glass was, you know... Not super well reviewed, so I'm gonna wait and just watch that at home. Same. Uh, and I just could not get myself to go see Bumblebee or Aquaman in the theaters. So Same. There's been some stuff like that where it's like almost, but not quite. And this is the the first one of the year where I'm just fucking down. So, yeah, definitely excited do, for Captain Marvel. Do Captain um, Marvel, and then in two weeks we have Us. Oh, oh so us, good. Man. March is awesome. Yeah, that'll be cool. That'll be cool. So, um, Anthem. You know, Anthem. Uh, I'm going to play this game at some point, but I'm wondering if I should just, you know, cut my losses even though I paid for the, you know, launch day price, if I should just put it away for now, or if I should try now that they've had an update or two. My honest opinion, go along just wait. With it. Sorry to jump in. My honest opinion, Jordan, wait. Yeah. I think the, the it's devastating. I think the thing is, like I said. the thing is, you already have the feeling of being disappointed, right? I would, Unfortunately. yes, what I would do is I would wait and come back to it at a later time whenever you want to get back to it. The thing is, you already paid that the money. You're not getting the money back, right? It is what it is. Yeah, and I, it's whatever, know, yeah. People bitch and moan about $60 for a game. Like, to me, it's like, especially if I'm buying a new game once a month, maybe. A lot of times it's not even once a month. It's like, I mean. Okay, not a big, not a huge deal. Now, I, I don't want to get fucked over. Exactly. I do feel like I did in this situation. But if it's a game that, like, I enjoy for a little while, 10, 12 hours, whatever, it's that's not a huge deal to me. So, yeah, if I spent the money initially and don't get to enjoy it initially, it's not the end of the world to me. So I might end up doing that because it is, it was such a frustrating situation starting off. And uh, it's... It's not going to be improved so much that it'll be a breeze this time. I'm sure there's still going to be issues where we're at right now. So Yeah, I, what I would say is, like, if you were just having issues with uh, the repetitive, like, missions or you weren't connecting with the story or feel stuff like that, I'd be like, oh, just jump jump back in and see if you find stuff that you enjoy with it. Because it's, like, yeah. server issues and bugs and all of this other stuff and they're retooling drops, I would just wait, dude. Just wait, yeah. take a breather, and hop back to it at a later date. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, you decide to go back and finish Kingdom Hearts 3, whatever that is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sucks. Like you said, there's just been bam, 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 these games coming out that are I really am excited for. and um, Hype and excitement are different for me. You know, it's kind of based on how I uh, like let myself... Uh, almost let myself go and um, so either way it just sucks but uh, yeah 
We'll see. I'm sure I'll play something this Who week. Who would have thought it, uh, at this point, the yeah. two best-reviewed games for the year are Resident Evil 2 and pretty much Metro Exodus. Yep. Out of all of the releases we had, <laughs> I'm happy because I love Metro. Resident Evil 2 was, uh, you know, when people were worried about it not ever showing after the initial uh, We Do It video, I thought that that might actually be a great thing because they are just hard at work, toiling away. Resident Evil 7's coming out. You got your Resident Evil. Play that for now, and then we'll come and hit you with a bang. Uh, remake. So I'm, I'm glad for those fans. Dom, I'm assuming you're finishing Kingdom Hearts 3 this week? Yeah, yeah. On remote gonna, play, probably? That's going to be the focus. Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, did you play 20 hours of remote play, Probably Dom? about 15 of it was remote play, yeah. Wow. It's really good. It's great. Wow. And the fact that it's a PS3 game probably means it runs excellent on the Vita. <laughs> it's a joke. The thing is, I think we're all enjoying Kingdom Hearts 3, but we have issues, and that's completely fine. So, <laughs> Dude, there's parts of Red Dead that feel like a PS3 game. You know, I think there's there's a lot of games that still feel like they were developed for last gen in some ways. Some aspects of them, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't say the Red Dead things are necessarily last gen things. I think it's... Uh, Rockstar being... Does it not feel last-gen when you have to redo your loadout every time you go to your horse? You know, stuff like that. I don't think that's last-gen. The controls that are the same as uh, Red Dead Redemption 1, that feels very PS3. No, what I'm saying, what I was going to say is I don't think... So I don't think that feels last-gen. I think that feels like stubborn Rockstar, if that makes sense. Still bad. But I don't think it's necessarily a product of last-gen. It's a product of Rockstar not wanting to change that. You know what I mean? Yeah, if that makes the sense. jump button being on circle in Kingdom Hearts Whoa. is stubborn Square Enix. Also, <laughs> let me say real quick, I meant to mention this earlier. Kingdom Hearts 4 being done by someone other than Nomura sounds very enticing to me. It, I really want that to happen. I agree. Maybe the dialogue won't feel like it was written by my 10-year-old oh. nephew. Jesus <laughs> I don't think Nomura writes it either. I'm sorry, Nomura. <laughs> Bad shots fired. Um, anyways, that's it for this week's episode of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Thank you for listening to our first ever two-hour episode um, of the podcast. Special bonus. Special bonus. Uh, if you can, please uh, follow us on iTunes, leave us a review, go to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, leave us a like, it helps. Uh, Twitter, at C-U-T-R-L-I-N-T, it's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. You can find Dom at Dom's Oreos. You can find Jordan at Melamotus. You can find me at Jared underscore... Yeah, we'll catch you guys next week, episode 136. We're going to have a guest on, Chris Noons, who's been on before. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.